Let's talk hoops. Let's talk crossovers. Let's talk downs. Let's talk hoops. Let's talk rumor. Let's talk opinions. Let's talk truth. Let's talk future. Let's talk present. Let's talk past. Fundamentals and flash. Me running the flow. Stango running the show like a young Steve Nash. I'd like to welcome all of you to the Great Point Podcast. This is the Great Point Podcast, and today it is part three of our NBA Draft Series. I've got two special guests on the show today. One former star at Florida, played in the NBA with the Miami Heat, and then played for a decade overseas, so certainly knows some of these overseas prospects in this year's draft. That is Matt Walsh. And the other is Coach Seth Greenberg, who uh, has become incredibly famous for his unbelievable work on ESPN. I'm really excited to have both of you guys on. Seth Greenberg, of course, had coached at, at Virginia Tech. Matt, you've played overseas. you played in the SEC, SEC tournament MVP, so a ton of experience. I'm excited to have you both on. Thank you guys for, uh, for joining me. You guys for having us. Thanks for having me. Of course, have you guys both speak at the same time. It's pretty pretty smart of me. Um, how, can, how, how can you say no to your stank? I mean, come on. I mean, you're Naismith. I mean, when Naismith calls, you answer. That's true, Coach. Uh, so how we're going to do this is I want to put together a mock draft. Matt and I are going to alternate teams. We're going to play the role of, of GM in, in each of these cities. And then uh, our coach, the expert, is going to weigh in on on what he thinks of uh, each player, each pick, and and how the fit works. Matt, since you're still in Philadelphia, you know the latest on on what's going on there, but have a great feel for the city. I'm going to let you start this off. You have the number one pick with the Philadelphia 76ers. GM Matt Walsh, you're on the clock. Well, I think I'm going to have to go with with the most likely obvious answer here. The first pick in the 2016 draft, the Philadelphia 76ers are going to take Ben Simmons out of LSU. And why are you taking Ben Simmons, Matt? Well, you know, we spoke about this on another podcast. I think the biggest thing with Simmons is that I think he has a chance to be a generational-type player, a player that, um, you know, the Sixers just can't risk passing up on, especially with what they've done here the last three years. Uh, I'm a huge Brandon Ingram guy, too. I think he has that killer instinct and that ability to score. But I just think Simmons has that star potential that, that they just can't pass up. Coach, what do you think of his pick? I mean, you can't go wrong, Simmons Ingram. I mean, Ben Simmons, he's got size, he's got vision, he can make plays in the half guard, he's terrific in transition. I know people say he's a point guard. I don't think he's a point guard. I think he's a facilitator, a guy that can initiate your offense. He's best with the ball in his hands. You know, he's got to make shots, and the only question I'd have for him is his personality. You know, I used to, in the season I said he was magic-esque, in his vision, but he doesn't have that personality. Will he ever be a guy that other people will follow? But his talent is undeniable. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree on uh, on all counts. I keep making the, the Danny Manning comparison. Obviously, we've heard Lamar Odom, you know, some others. Royce White, people have, have brought up, but obviously Ben Simmons just in a, a class of his, of his own. Matt, if that's the case, you're Sixers GM. What do you do with the rest of that front court? Man, they, they have some big decisions to make. There's been all kinds of stuff on the Sports Talk Radio here about trying to get to number three and draft Chris Dunn, talking about trading Okafor, trading Noel. If, I, if I'm them, I, I'm drafting Simmons. I'm waiting to see what happens with Embiid, if he's healthy, what you're going to get with him. 
And I'm going into at least summer league and training camp with all these guys just to see what we have. I mean, they've spent three years tanking. I think now to cut bait and trade some of these guys, kind of panic a little bit would be a mistake. So from them, I'm drafting Simmons. I'm I'm holding Pat unless I get a, a really great deal for Okafor and Noel. Coach, I got to ask you, Joel Embiid, a lot of people have him locked as a guy that as soon as he's healthy, he's going to be a huge difference maker, a star in the NBA. From what you saw with Embiid at Kansas, are you convinced he's he's a star the moment that he's healthy? I don't think he's a star the moment he's healthy because he hasn't played in a couple of years. And you know, he was a guy that was a, what I call a, a suspect, a guy with tremendous potential, with athletic gifts, with length, quickness, the ability to protect the rim. I totally agree with Matt in that I don't think you can move anyone until you know that Embiid is going to be healthy. Because what happens if you move Okafor, just as an example, and then Embiid gets hurt? That happens. You are done. You are absolutely done. Uh, that's a risk-reward move. So uh, Embiid has got he, – he has a chance to be a really good player. He's got the length. He's got the athleticism. He runs. He improved offensively. But we haven't seen this dude in two years. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of question marks about him, not just his, his health, but just, you know, how much is he re- can you really improve when you can't play for two years? Certainly a lot of questions with that Sixers front court, and we haven't even started to talk about the backcourt. Number two pick in the draft, Los Angeles Lakers. I'm going to put my Mitch Kupchak hat on, and uh, I'm going to select Brandon Ingram first and foremost. Ingram has a ton of upside. We know his length. We know his ability to shoot the ball. And we saw him perform on, on some big stages his his freshman year at Duke. But I just love in today's NBA that length, that versatility, uh, and his ability to score. Uh, certainly raw, and the ceiling is super high for, for Ingram. Coach, what do you think about my pick? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the, that is the pick. I mean, Brandon Ingram, he's 18 years old. You know, people should talk about his body. His body's going to change. He's an 18-year-old. With strength, there's going to come quickness and a little bit more explosiveness. He can play in an ISO. He can shoot it to the three. You can put him in a ball screen as a ball handler and a screener. His strength will improve him defensively. And he can make shots in the league. He's a shot-making league right now. You know, is he a poor man's Durant? I don't know. I just know the guy makes buckets. And if you watched him early compared to, like, his light bulb went on. I did their Utah State game, and that game, it seemed like his light bulb went on, and he became more assertive and more confident. You know, he, I think he's going to score baskets in the end game. And as far as the rest of that Lakers roster goes, I mean, they're still a young team with a strong core. Julius Randle, obviously in the front court, had a good year, and people really didn't pay much attention to it with all the Kobe noise. And D'Angelo Russell, I think, has a chance really to grow under under Walton. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, plus Jordan Clarkson's there. They will be bringing in some vets. I, I think Jeannie Buss doesn't uh, like how how uh, her brother's been, been running things as of late. So Lakers are going to get back to winning soon. I don't know whether it's overpaying for some free agents or what, but you can be sure the Lakers are going to try to change uh, their whole strategy moving forward. Matt, with the number three pick in the draft, this is where people say it gets interesting. The Celtics have the third pick. What are you doing as GM of the Celtics? Well, I told you this last week. Just knowing Danny Age, I would be shocked if they hold on to this pick. You know, Danny Age has a way of, you know, getting the best of draft day trades or leading up to the draft trades and, 
I think that, you know, Chris Dunn's value has gone up a lot over the draft process. And I think he's the pick here. If, if Boston's there or if they trade the pick, I think you got to take Dunn. I love Dunn's game. He's tough. He's a superb athlete, the point guard position. I know that they have a glut of guards up there in Boston, but I think most importantly when you're drafting this high in the draft, you take, unless there's a, you know, unless it's even with a big man in the guard, you take the best player available. And I think that's Dunn. My instinct says Boston's going to trade this pick, and somehow Danny Ainge will come out on top of that trade. But if they stand pat here, I think he's still up the draft done because I think he's the clear number three best player in this draft. I, I agree with you, Matt. I, I'm a big Chris Dunn fan. I, you've got to have a guy that can guard the elite uh, athletic guards in the league. And, and the one thing that translates to Chris Dunn is he can check you. People talk about the steals. I'm not worried about the steals. He can stay in front of the fastest, quickest guards. He's got size. He's got strength. He's got lateral quickness. He's got toughness. Offensively, he's got tremendous speed to turn the corner on a ball screen. His decision-making is good, not great. The touch on his passes, good, not great. Uh, but he's got NBA speed, kind of a, a, a poor man's Russell Westbrook type athlete. I'm a big Chris Dunn fan. Yeah, I mean, that makes three of us. I am um, a big believer in Chris Dunn. Anyone that's heard uh, my podcast with Tom McLean, who worked him out for the last seven weeks, he could not stop raving about Chris Dunn. He said he's going to shoot a lot better than people think. And he said, athletically, he's in between John Wall and Russell Westbrook. He had worked out John Wall, knows Westbrook pretty well. I mean, it's high praise, but uh, I don't think it, it was necessarily hyperbole. He's that high on on the kind of player and, and athlete Chris Dunn is, and as a person. With the number four pick, now we get into the Phoenix Suns, and things start to get really interesting here. You know, there's a lot of talk with uh, Marquise Chris being that pick. I'm going with Jamal Murray. I still believe we're high enough in the draft to take the best player available. The problem is fit here. Devin Booker proved last year he can really shoot it at the NBA level. And you know their situation. Brandon Knight's there. I just think you got to take the best player available. And to me, Jamal Murray is a star. I know athletically he might not be on the same level with some of these other elite guys, but... What he did with Team Canada at at the Pan Am Games, scoring 16 a game for them, scored 20 a game at Kentucky last year, his freshman year. Game seems to come really smooth, really easy for him. Uh, And I I love him in all offensive situations. Defensively, maybe we have some things to work on. But I think Jamal Murray's a shooting guard. Figure out the roster later. Maybe there's a way we could play him and Devin Booker at the same time. And as we saw and we're seeing in the NBA now, you can't go wrong with getting more and more shooters on your team, and he can certainly fill it up. Coach, what do you think of Jamal Murray going to the Suns? I like Murray. I like, you know, he's as good without the basketball as any player in the draft, kind of comparable to Buddy Heald. He's got size. Uh, in post-action, he'll be really good because you have to guard him, so he'll stretch the floor. Uh, he's a guy that obviously is going to open up the floor if he can get in the lane and make plays. He's not a point guard. And the people that say, well, you, you know, I'm not sure there is a point guard in the NBA. I think the, the NBA, to me, you have ball guards. Guys can initiate, guys can score, and guys can make plays. You're right. Defensively, concern, and can he turn the corner and create separation? At times, I think he's a little stiff, but his shot-making ability is elite. You know, again, when you look at the guys, and it sounds crazy, when you look at the other opportunities and the other guys available, 
And everyone's an if, so I think you, you, you draft on need and you draft on a guy that you think can do something really special. And he is a, he, he's a, he's a world-class shooter. Hey, Matt, before we move on to the Timberwolves, I want to ask you about the idea of, you know, playing at the professional level. You know, one of the things people talk about with Murray, I mean, Coach just alluded to it, the idea of quickness. How much can you improve your, your quickness and your athleticism once you're, you're playing professionally? I think like Coach said about Ingram, I mean, a lot of these guys are so young that their bodies are going to change. Gosh, I didn't hit puberty until I was like 17. So <laughs> a lot of these guys, their bodies are going to change. You know, this is gonna, their life is going to be 100% basketball now. They're going to be working on their bodies. They're going to be working on their quickness. So I think that can change a little bit. Um, I think the bigger thing with a guy like Murray, when you can shoot the ball that well, you can use that to get by guys. And he's crafty enough that you know, he's never going to be the superb athlete that some of these other guys are. But he, you know, shores up his body and works on his quickness and continues to shoot the ball the way he does. He's not going to have a problem getting by guys. All right, now with the fifth pick in the draft, it's the Minnesota Timberwolves. We see a young team. We see a, a developing team, but obviously a ton of talent there in Minnesota. So, Matt, as GM of the Timberwolves, who are you selecting? The fifth pick, I'm taking Buddy Heald, and I am thrilled that he is here from the Timberwolves. I think this is a guy who, you know, played four years in college. He's 22 years old. He's ready to come in and contribute right away. He's going to play both sides of the ball. And most importantly, you got Wiggins, you got Rubio at the point guard, you got Zach Levine. These are all guys who are not known for their shooting. And Buddy Heald will totally open up the court for those guys. I mean, you draft Heald and you have Wiggins on the other wing, you have your two and three there locked in for the next 10 years. And if I'm the Timberwolves, I'm praying that Heald gets to me at five. Coach, you've talked about Heald on SportsCenter. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm a big Buddy Hill fan. Exactly what Matt said. I mean, he shoots it with ridiculous range. He runs the floor. He's really good off the ball making plays. You want more floor to play with when you got a guy like Wiggins. Look, he's a guy that is going to make shots. You know, he's going to make shots in the league. He runs the floor consistently. You know, he can get to the rim. His handle isn't great. He's an average passer. But he is a great shooter. I mean, uh, we did game day with him out there. And every time he shoots the ball, you think it's going in. The other thing is, and a little bit with Jamal Murray, I was so impressed with Murray with his maturity. Murray's maturity is just incredible. Buddy Heald's presence is incredible. He is the ultimate teammate, and he's been coached, and he wants to be coached. Uh I think he's got a toughness about him, and I think that it's a really good fit, Minnesota. All right, let's uh, move on to the sixth pick in the draft, and that belongs to the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, Once again, it's starting to really get interesting here. We've got some big men to choose from, Henry Ellenson, Jakob Pertl, Dragon Bender, of course the Washington kids, Marquise Chris, and uh, DeJounte Murray and even Jalen Brown from, from Cal. So talent still available for sure, depending on what, what you think of those individual players. For the Pelicans, oh, wow, going back and forth about this one. But I think I'm going to go Jakob Pertl. I saw him a lot this year. He's got great hands. He's got great feet. I keep hearing uh, Don McLean referred to it uh, in, during his workouts that he's really been able to shoot the ball well. And I think all of a sudden you can create sort of a twin towers setup with Anthony Davis, Jakob Pertl down low, 
Uh, Pirtle runs the floor really well, and he just keeps improving. We saw him really play well as a freshman from Austria, Utah, and then improved even more as a sophomore in a Pac-12 player of the year. Jakob Pirtle's my guy. Coach, your thoughts? I think he's less of an if than some of those other guys, for sure. I mean, you're talking about a seven-footer. On the left block, he's pretty good. He can play in ball screens and short roll and catch a pocket pass and make that shot. Uh, I think he's going to be physically strong enough to keep things off the block. Uh, he's been very well coached by Mark Stavriak. Uh, I think he's really done a terrific job with him. And I like that he continues to improve. So, uh you know, I think you know. I think he's got a shot, and I, you know, I had a chance to see him up close a couple times. He, he has very good hands. Uh, he's improved his ability to score. Uh, he's got a chance. He's less of a risk than maybe some of the other guys. That is really more of a reach in terms of the other factors in terms of how they're going to deal with the transition to the NBA. All right, Matt. Number seven pick in the draft, Denver Nuggets. Uh, I think acquired this pick from the Knicks. Who do you got? Yeah, they got the pick from the Knicks. And, you know, I was looking through Denver's roster. And when you look at their roster, they have some good young talent. They've got some vets. But it's such a mixed match group of guys. If I'm them, I'm trying to possibly package this pick, the seventh pick, and maybe Kenneth Freed, who I love or Wilson Chandler, try and, uh, you know, get a, a veteran solid player in there. But I think if I have to take the pick here, I'm taking Dragon Bender. Um, I've watched some film on this guy. I know the Maccabi Tel Aviv program, the, the club there. I know that they develop players really well there. I love the fact how he runs the floor, his length. He can stretch the floor with his shooting. Um, I think you pair him with uh, Nurk- Nurkic and... Gallinari, and then you got a Moutier in the backcourt. You've got a good group of young guys there. Like I said, maybe you try and move Fareed or, or Chandler for for another veteran guy. But um, at this point in the draft, you know, you're really grasping at straws. You don't know, you don't know what you're going to get from a lot of these guys. And my, I think a lot of people would say Marquise Chris here with the pick, but his lack of rebounding and just his, his overall body type worries me a little bit. So with, I'm going with Bender. Yeah, Bender's the one international that I've had a chance to really study. And I just hate for the guy he's going to be prepared to present you so much because you know, he doesn't have the balance in the athleticism of Chris Pazinius, but he does have the skill level. And, you know, I think the transition, you're getting a much more – when you're taking these young international players, say as opposed to these young players coming out of college, you're getting – a much more mature prospect. You're getting a guy that's practiced twice a day. You're getting a guy that has been around adults, uh, is, has been held a lot more accountable than the culture of our youth basketball growing up. So I, I don't think you can go wrong with Bender. And Matt, you could speak to that, the idea of playing internationally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Coach hit it right on the head. These guys who have been, you know, he – uh, Bender is 18 and a half years old, but he's probably been playing professionally for three years already. You know, he's he's grown up in this environment. He's had to be a man. He's had to be around grown men on that team who are 30 some years old playing professionally. He he's a whole lot more NBA ready than a lot of these other guys. And some of the guys that come out of college will handle it great and move on, and it'll it'll be an easy transition for him. But some of them won't. And for sure, coach is right. These these international guys have been playing professionally 
at a high level since they're 15 years old a lot of times, some younger, and they're just more equipped to deal with that NBA lifestyle and to be around grown men every day in a working environment. Now we move on to the eighth pick in the draft, the Sacramento Kings, who have just been a mess the last couple of years as as a franchise. We saw everything go on with, with George Carl. We saw Boogie Cousins, who has as much talent as, as anyone in the league. And we've seen greatness from Boogie. And we've seen, you know, the, the, the dark side, I, I guess the best way to put it. Interesting situation with the Kings. I'm going to go with uh, DeMontis Sabonis. Again, trying to team up another big with what's going on there uh, with DeMarcus Cousins. I think I think Sabonis showed me a lot with his toughness, his passing ability. He can actually score playing him on the high post. I think he could work really well with, with another big, and he did that at Gonzaga. So I, I like that idea. I just I love his toughness. I love his presence. And I'd be really nervous about bringing Marquise Chris in, a guy that's really young, and uh, just in that spot, playing alongside Cousins, playing in that volatile environment, that'd be my concern with the Kings drafting Marquise Chris. And that's why I'm going to go with uh, of a guy that I, I think could, could make more of an impact early and gives them some stability, which I think uh, the, Kings, the Kings need right now. I'm not as high as the bonus as other people. He does have a little Brad Miller in him in terms of that toughness quotient uh, at a different, little bit of a different position. But yeah, short arms. Uh, I'm not sure he can get his shot off. He is a terrific rebounder in that league. Haven't seen him, you know, against the very best game in and game out. Um, I think he's a mature second unit guy. I don't see him ever as a starter, but I see him as, you know, he's going to be a, he'll he'll be in the league probably a long time. But I'm not as sold. Like, to me, I'm not as sold on DeMontis Sabonis stepping in and being successful in the NBA as I would be like a Bryce Johnson. Four years, maturity, length, runs, rebounds, and has done it, you know, at a high level. And when when North Carolina had their injuries, from that point on, after that Florida State game, we had that ridiculous game. Uh, He was a very consistent frontcourt player. So, Sabonis is, I think right now he's in vogue. I'm not as sold on him as others. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, let's move on to the the ninth pick in the draft, the Toronto Raptors selection. Matt, who are you going with? With the ninth pick, the Raptors are going to draft Henry Ellenson. And the reason why I like this pick is because I think they're going to lose, um, Oh, God, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Biombo in free Biombo. agency this year. Bismack, yeah, I yep. think they're going to lose him in free agency. Uh, I think Ellenson can come in and be your backup center. He blocked one and a half shots a game in college. He can score. He rebounds. I think he's a relatively safe pick to come in, and he can be a solid backup to Valentinus. And I think, you know, Toronto's got to be looking at their roster and thinking, one, you know, are they going to max out DeRozan and, and keep him around? And if they do that – what do they have to do to be able to get by the the Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference? Because that's that's really what they their only worry. And I'm not sure that the answer is going to be in the draft. So if I'm them, I'm trying to shore up some smaller needs and then in free agency go out and, and fill the bigger needs. Yeah, Ellenson, I think it's safe is the key. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure he's a shot blocker. He might have blocked shots, but I don't look at him as a a shot blocker per se. 
Uh, I look at him as a guy who's skilled and can stretch defense. I think he can defensive rebound. I'm not sure he can offensive rebound. He's got a good physical body. He's got a little Kevin Love in him. He can really put the ball on the floor. Is I think something that is a very much a positive. And he didn't shoot a high percentage this season, although I really like his stroke. So I think it's a safe pick. He's got a big body. He's got good hands. He's got high, good skills. I think he can defensive rebound. Uh, I'm not sure he's a center, although he is 6'11", but he can put pressure on defense. All right, we move on to the number 10 pick, and that's the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, obviously, Bucks probably disappointed that the the local kid just uh, got drafted a spot before, at least for the fans. They'd be upset about that. But being the Milwaukee Bucks GM, I'm I'm going to take Marquise Chris. Can't believe that he slid down to to double digits. We know about the athleticism. We know that um, you know he's got some strength to him. He could step outside and shoot it, and he sort of fits everything that the Bucks have sort of acquired in terms of their pieces the last few years. You know, getting long, uh, athletic guys. You know, the Greek Freak, Michael Carter Williams. Um, you know, it's just a team that's that's putting together some different athletes. John Henson is there. Uh, Chris Middleton could shoot it, and of course, you know Jabari Parker. They have a young core. It's athletic. It's fun. Uh, I think they want to get up and down more and more and, and play sort of that positionless basketball that, that Golden State's really made in vogue. So I, I think for all those reasons, uh, Marquise Chris is, is the guy at, at Milwaukee if he's there. Yeah, he fits the DNA of what they're trying to do with their team. There's no doubt about it. He's as big an if as there is in the, in the draft. I'm, I, I'm, what we're concerned about is maturity. Uh, you know, he obviously had some emotional issues in terms of his foul rate was ridiculously high. Can he rebound the basketball? Uh, defensively, he can rebound it offensively. He's that hybrid. I think he's more of a three than a four. Physically, uh, he can really put it on the floor. I think he's a willing passer, but he's a turnover guy. I think it's a good risk. I mean, uh, he's ridiculously skilled, and he's kind of like in this new NBA you know, he's 18 years old, if I'm not mistaken. He's not going to be 19 until, I think, right before the start of the season. So I think it's, you know, he fits what Milwaukee has been doing. But eventually you're going to need a dude. Eventually you're going to need a man. Like, you can't just have a bunch of running, jumping dudes. Eventually you're going to need someone that's going to kind of pull all that together. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's a coach that's currently working as an ESPN broadcaster. Maybe that could be the, the uh, solution there. There you go. <laughs> uh, that, the 11th pick in the draft, Orlando Magic, an interesting young team there. Who are you taking? Yeah, with Orlando, I mean, you look at their roster and they're young at every position. They've got, you know, pretty good, solid players at every position. So if I'm them, I'm going one of two ways with this pick. I'm either trying to trade it for a solid veteran who can come in and mentor some of these young guys and kind of push them up to the next level where they're competing, truly competing for a playoff spot. And if not... I think I'm going to go with Scott Lavasseri. I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering his name here. The reason I go with that is I go for a guy with a lot of upside. And this guy's only been playing basketball for a few years. He comes from Haiti. You look at him, he's got a really good stroke. He's shade under seven foot, and his wingspan's seven foot three. Standing reach is almost nine feet. He's got a you know great body, under 5% body fat. I'm going with the guy who I think has a lot of potential at this pick and who can bring a little bit something different to their team. I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on Labissier. Go ahead, Coach. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, like he's the ultimate if as well. I mean, he's a guy that look, he's he is the future. It's a futures market in the NBA, and you know you've got to kind of see not where a guy is, where he's going. The thing I like about Scal, obviously, as a screener, you can curl, he can replace, he can knock down jumpers. You can put him in a ball screen, and actually, he can short roll, make that shot. He can pass. He can shoot it out to the three-point line. He can protect the front of the rim. He's not rebounding right now, and he's not defending in the block. But, and I, I think the, the big but is, under that microscope that he was under this year, the kid handled it seamlessly. He's been in life-and-death situations you know, in his transition to this country. Uh, I really believe his character is as good as any in the draft. He's got size. He's got length. And, again, as a 20-year-old, where's, what, is, what is his body going to look like as a 24-year-old? And if his body changes, like most bodies do change, with his skill set and his length, I mean, it, it is definitely a risk worth, worth taking. Coach, how far away do you think he is to readily contributing at the NBA level? I'd say at least two years just physically. I mean, he just can't rebound right now. I mean, he just can't rebound the ball in traffic. His lower body strength is, is minimal. He, he actually plays with a pretty good base uh, on the block, but his lower body strength is really not very good. He'll get wedge rebounded underneath the rim. So for a kid like like Scal, you said he's under he's under the microscope. Um, we know the year he had; it was obviously disappointing at at Kentucky. But, coach, what's the difference between developing that body every day in the NBA or doing it every day when you're in a college program? Well, you know what the strength program at Kentucky is is terrific. It's really a little bit of maturity. I mean, just. The natural process. They say, your body doesn't look like now like it did when you were, you know, 20 years old either. <laughs> That's mean, true. I mean, I mean, your body changes. Your metabolism changes. It's easier to put on weight. He's going to, he's going to, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll take better care of himself. Remember now, his job is going to be basketball, taking care of his body and, and, and doing the things he needs to do to be a productive player. But a lot of just, it takes time. I mean, it's, we all want a, a faster computer and a better phone and, a, you know, certain things, there's a process, the old Nick Saber stuff. And the process is sometimes your body, there's, there's a process of building your body to the point where it's, you know, it needs to be where you contribute the NBA. Matt, how did you find the difference between the college weight program and, uh, and what you experienced in the NBA Yeah, I agree a lot with Coach. And a lot of it is just going to come with his body changing naturally. But at the same time, uh, you know, another big part of it is going to be what, what club and what franchise drafts him because I've played, you know, summer league and gone to training camp with a bunch of different teams, and some teams are more on top of it than others. I mean, I know if he went to a team like Miami, they're going to be on top of him so much that he's going to look like a Greek god coming into training <laughs> camp, you know. And then you, you go to some other teams where they're not, as, not quite as on top of it. But I think that – Overall, it's going to be his number one job is going to be to work out every day on the court mm-hmm. to get his body right. And as long as he's got, you know, somewhat of the right guidance and the right attitude, that his body's going to come around. I mean, you look at him two years from now, I'm sure he's going to look a whole lot different than he does right now. 
Yeah, interesting perspective that that we all sort of assume that every NBA team is exactly the same and all the organizations are run the same way at the same level and obviously that's that's not the case. With the 12th pick in the in the draft, uh it's the Utah Jazz, a team with a ton of potential. They seem like they're on the cusp. They can actually play defense at times unlike what we saw in in Kobe's last game there uh where they let him basically do whatever ever he wanted. Uh, Rudy Gobert is there. Dante Exum is there. So certainly some young pieces. And I love Gordon Hayward. Uh, you know, we've seen Derek uh, Favors. We've seen his development and, and his strength down on the block. Uh, so, but for the number 12 pick, I'm going to go with DeJounte Murray out of, out of Washington. I think he's a point guard. I think he brings some creativity and uh, just a difference maker at that point guard position. It'll be interesting. They have Neto. Uh, they have Burke, um, Dante Exum, which we don't know exactly uh, you know, what his future is going to be, whether he's a point guard, a shooting guard. But I do think DeJounte Murray, he's long, he's very creative finisher, he's got really soft touch around the hoop, he's a creative passer, and uh, I love his moxie. And I, I love that the kid just kept developing as he got older. In, in high school, he wasn't thought of that highly. He kept growing, kept working on his game. His body's another one. We keep mentioning this theme that it's got to fill out. But DeJounte Murray, for me, could be the guy that sort of a couple years down the road really starts to push the Jazz to another level. It's a good selection for that organization because of the size of land. But more importantly, that's an organization that really is committed to player development. Quinn's got, obviously, a college background, and they do a really good job with their players, teaching them how to play, getting them in the gym, developing their skills, developing their understanding of the game. His body's got to change. He can't teach vision. Uh, you know, I think that he has a chance to be a disruptive defender with his length and his athleticism. And that organization I like for, for developing players. We move on to the 13th pick, and that's the uh, Phoenix Suns again. This one acquired from Washington. Matt, who are you going with? Well, if I'm Phoenix here and Jalen Brown is still on the board, this guy who is pretty much a consensus top seven, eight, nine, ten pick, I'm taking Jalen Brown. You know, this he's a, he's a star athlete. He's only six five, but he's got a seven foot wingspan. Uh, you've got some shooting there already from Booker, and depending on who you draft with that first first round pick, you've got Len down low. Obviously, you have the two point guards that they have there in Jennings and Bledsoe. Um, so I'm taking Brown here. You got an explosive athlete on the wing. I think he would pair well with those guys and. I think he's got a, a lot of upside. Obviously, he had some issues in his year in college, but for me, I, I'm, I'm going. I'm going with Brown. Yeah, he's an interesting pick because if you look at how he played, you know, look, he's going to be a great workout guy. He's a physical specimen. Uh, he's a multi-position player. I don't. He'll never be a two. He, you know, he could be more Justice Winslow at four than Draymond Green at four. I don't like his stroke. I do like his athleticism. I do like him in the open floor finishing. Uh, I don't like his ability to pass the basketball and his steal, but he's a very, very bright kid with an incredible work ethic. I think he's going to be very coachable. He's going to want to know the hows and whys. His athleticism and size, his strength, his body type is transferable and you know, I think it's, it's again, in an if draft, and maybe I'm wrong by saying this, he is worth a shot. No doubt about it. 
For the 14th pick, it's the Chicago Bulls. Another really, really interesting uh, offseason awaits the Bulls. We don't know what's going to happen with Jimmy Butler. Uh, Fred Hoiberg, obviously, trying to live up to the Thibodeau expectations. And your your uh, old teammate, your good buddy, Joe Kim Noah, obviously. It'll be interesting to see what his future ultimately looks like in, in Chicago, Matt. Um, but if I'm the Bulls GM... I'm taking Denzel Valentine. I've just seen too much from this kid to not believe that he's not going to contribute and not going to continue to work hard and not be a great uh, locker room guy. And at at the middle of the first round, I think this is the right spot for him. We've seen his ability to shoot it. Matt, you and I have talked before about his athletic ability, uh, maybe not being at that elite NBA level, but at the same time, he's just such a smart basketball player. And I think there's so many things that he does well and really playing with Hoiberg and their and their um, different offensive sets and the offensive creativity they they sort of want to play with, I think uh, Denzel Valentine would, would be my guy. I'm a huge Denzel Valentine fan. And everyone talks about his shooting, and his shooting has improved. His decision-making is the key. The guy's got terrific vision. He sees plays before they happen. He's got a great feel. He's been extremely well-coached. Uh, yes, he can make shots, but he's got a maturity to him, and uh, you know, and a toughness that he's going to walk in an NBA locker room and mentally, physically, and emotionally, he's NBA ready. Uh, he'll understand defensive principles and concepts within the league because he played for Tom. He'll understand offensive execution because of the system he came from. He can play in more than one position. I don't know the stuff about his knees and all the speculation, but one thing that dude does, that guy wins. And I like, if you draft winning players, you're going to have a winning culture. If you have a winning culture, you're eventually going to have a winning team. All right, we're not going to run all the way through the first round, but we'll go through at least the, the top 20. So just a few more picks here to make. Matt, you're on the clock at, uh, at 15 with the Denver Nuggets. Who are you going with? With 15, I'm going with Malachi Richardson out of Syracuse. I watched this kid a lot this year. I love uh, for lack of a better word, he's got big balls. He's got that. He's got that. Uh, you know, he's got that. That just thing about his game. And you know, he he wants to take the big shots. He's explosive. He's only six five, but he's got a seven foot wingspan. I think he has a chance athletically to be a very good defender in the league. Um, I think he's going to shoot it well enough to you know he can play the two and the three, possibly handle the ball some. But I'm a big Malachi Richardson guy. I love how he carried his team throughout the tournament. Um, I just think he has that it factor that he could end up being a guy that in the second half of this first round of the draft turns out to be one of the better players drafted. Yeah, man, I see everything you see. I mean, I got, I got his length. I got his his ability to move the defender off the bounce. He's got a, a one-on-one game, an isolation game. Uh, you know, can he, you know, who can he develop into? The one question is he made shots in the NCAA tournament. He didn't make shots. He got shots, but he wasn't a real shot maker per se during the season. But another young player with a very high skill level who has a really good feel, uh, a basketball player uh, who could be positionless, and his release is good. And the other thing he has, I think he has a lot of, and and, and Matt, you can speak to this because you played with some guys that, Happens. He's got a lot of different layups when he gets to the rim. I mean, in the NBA, you got to have runners, you got to have floaters, you got to be able to move the ball. 
and he has that ability. So I, I like I like him. I like his upside, and uh, if he if he continues to be a good shooter or develop into a shooter he was in the tournament, he's going to be a very good NBA player and score a lot of points. All right, at uh, 16, Boston has uh, another pick, uh, which uh, w- will be the theme sort of on, on draft nights, the, the teams that have a handful of, of picks, um, and Boston is certainly one of them. I think this is a pick that ends up getting moved. So I'm going with the assumption that Boston has traded this pick and somehow picked up picked up a veteran, and um, the team moving into this pick, call it whoever you want it to be, but uh, I think Boston trades some picks, gets a veteran, and the team that ends up picking at 16, I'm going teamless here with uh, Tyler Eulis. Um, I just, I, for all the reasons that you talk about with, with some of the other kids that we've seen in terms of being winners, uh, I'm the same way with you, Coach. I, I believe Tyler Eulis is a winner. Uh, he's just a tough kid. He makes such smart decisions. Um, and I just love how he commands he commands a team and you know we have seen so many point guards at the NBA level that are big time scorers maybe Tyler Eulis doesn't turn into a big time scorer at the next level although I think he can score but I think more than anything else point guards are always valuable and guys that can find people are always valuable and guys who can motivate are always valuable so for all those reasons Tyler Eulis would be would be my guy so you did the medical work and his uh you know his hip is okay that's good to hear Mm-hmm. Uh, got a good medical staff right there, Adam. Yeah. Uh, I look. I, I'm a big. I'm a big U.S. fan. That this might be a little bit high. Um, I think he has great leadership skills. I think he can create more separation than you think. Uh, I do wonder at that position how, even though he can get under people, how he defends the best point guards. And I don't call them point guards. I call them ball guards in the league. Like, is he going to be able to contest? Uh, the Westbrooks, the Currys, uh, the Kyries, uh, you know, those type of guards. Uh, I love his character. I love his intangibles. I love his leadership. I think he could be a second unit guy. Uh, but this might be a little bit of a stretch, in my opinion. All right. Uh, Matt, 17, Memphis Grizzlies, and you're on the clock. Uh, Tom Memphis, I'm looking at my roster, I'm looking at the rest of the West, and I'm realizing that with these guys, another year older, that they're not going to compete for a championship. So if I'm them, I'm doing my best to unload some guys, get some more draft picks, get younger. So with that in mind, and this may be a little bit of reach too, but I'm taking Furkan Korkmaz from and from F.S. Pilsen in Turkey. And I'm doing that because I played against this guy last season I've watched him. He's still growing into his body. He's a much better athlete than anyone will ever suspect. I saw this guy in the dunk contest in Turkey go between his legs from under the backboard and do a reverse dunk. He shoots the ball. He takes and makes big shots for a young kid. He's played now uh, three years on FS, which is one of the top five or six teams in the world outside the NBA. He will be able to walk in. He'll be a professional from day one. And you can develop this guy, and the way he shoots it, and with his athleticism and his feel for the game, I really think this guy has a chance to be a very good starting two or three in the NBA. And I think he's still growing. He's got huge feet. It may sound silly, but he's six eight now. He's got like size like seventeen shoes. I could easily see him being like Turkaloo coming over, growing a few more inches. I think this guy has a chance to be a very good international player in the NBA. 
Awesome. I'm going to even... on this one, Adam. <laughs> I'm going to pass. I'm going with the take shot. I'm going with the guy that played against the dude. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You can't question that. All right. So with the 18th pick now, uh, the Detroit Pistons, you sold me on them. Uh, I'm going to go with Bryce Johnson from, from UNC. Listen, we productivity, I think, can't be ignored. You, you saw how active he is. He's obviously an athletic big. There are question marks about ultimately what his ceiling is and how much he can develop that offensive game. But I don't think there's a coach in the NBA that I trust more in terms of player development and, and long-term growth than, than Stan Van Gundy. Coach, what do you think of Bryce Johnson going to the Pistons? I, li- I like Bryce Johnson, and I, I didn't always like Bryce Johnson, but he learned because you know, sometimes he would disappear, and that, that's an honest you know, opinion. That, But he didn't this season. Uh, he was uh, you know, a little bit thin shoulders, which concerned me a little bit, lower hips a little bit, not as big in the hips as I'd like to see him, but he can run. He's hard to keep off the glass. He can defend multiple positions. Short clock and ball screens, I think he's going to be able to move his feet contest shots, I think, again, he will continue to get stronger. And just because the guy's been in school four years doesn't mean he's stopped improving. I mean, I get such a kick out of that. Well, he's 21 years old or he's 22 years old. Yeah, he's 22 years old. He's in the league 10 years. How much will he improve? He's got a great opportunity to improve. So I think it was a brilliant selection from that general manager. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's see if we can get another brilliant selection at 19. Denver Nuggets. Matt? Well, I can't see Denver here taking a third a third pick. I think that's one way or another they're going to move one of these picks for I'm not sure who, but I think someone else will be drafting here at their prior pick. But no matter who it is here, I think if you're looking at 19 and Wade Baldwin's still on the board, I think you're taking him. He's a guy who's going to be able to guard the one and the two in the NBA. He's got outstanding length, seven-foot wingspan. He's athletic. He shoots the ball pretty well. I just like his all-around game. I think when you're drafting at 19, you have a chance to get a guy who's going to be able to come in and I believe contribute, you know, fairly well right away. Then he, he would be my pick. You know, every analytic would say size, wingspan, athleticism, uh, strength, shot it pretty good. They were a bad team, and. I think part of the reason they were a bad team Vanderbilt this year is that I'm not sure, goes back to my winning player thing, you're going to have to reprogram that dude in terms of how he sees himself. Because he had a guy in that wing in Riley LaChance that a really good point guard would have got him open, got him the ball, and and he would have been a good player. Now, potential, and I guess at this point in the draft, potential, Look, he's got great potential because he does shoot it. He does have size. He has length. He has athleticism. My question is, in that transition period, who is he going to be? Will he be mature enough? Will he handle being an NBA player? Will he allow himself to be coached? And I don't have the answer to that. I'm not saying that won't happen. But as I watched that team, and that team was talented, and to me, when a talented team underperforms, Either they're not playing for the head coach or the guy that's basically running their team, they're not following. So that would be my only concern on, on Wade Bell. All right. With the 20th pick, we have a really, really intriguing team, and that's the Indiana Pacers. Not necessarily for what they're putting on the floor, but just the fact that Frank Vogel's now gone. 
Larry Bird, you know, likes to get different voices coaching his teams. That's that's a big belief of his that he doesn't want to coach there more than three years. You know, we saw some potential out of Miles Turner. We know what Paul George can do. He came into his own last year. And my selection at, at number 20 is actually because I want coaches take specifically, not necessarily because I believe, A, that the Pacers would take him, or B, that I'd even take him at this spot, but Thon Maker. Thon Maker, obviously, the young kid that you know had a few schools he was thinking about going to and then decides to go into the draft, didn't know if he'd even be eligible for the draft, was declared that he was eligible for the draft. So Thon Maker will be selected, I assume, on draft night. Coach, your thoughts on, on Thon Maker, especially at this point in the draft? He's another if, that's for sure. You know, I put Maker and Diallo kind of in the same boat. We really don't know who they are. But one thing with Maker, obviously, you know, look, he, he, he's got some talent. He can shoot it. He's long. Got bad hands. And, Matt, you you could really pass. You like play with bigs with bad hands. Well, there's nothing worse. There's nothing, nothing worse, worse right? <laughs> and, and, like, yeah, again, if this was a track meet, I, I, I'm all for it. Can he shoot it some? Yeah. Can he run and jump? Yeah. But, yeah, that's a pretty big learning curve. And, and to not have great hands, that might be a little bit of a reach. You know? and, and, again, that's just, that's just me. I'm a big guy. you got you got to be able to catch that thing in a traffic. you got to be able to catch that thing on a roll. you got to not just be able to catch it above the rim. you got to be able to catch it off the pocket. So, I mean, that, that would be a little bit of a concern for me. And, you know, like the same thing with – and we don't know who really – where he's at right now. And the same thing would be for Diallo with me. Like, Bill Self's a pretty smart dude. I, I, he's a good coach. Right? Chuck Diallo <laughs> might be having great workouts. That guy was with him every single day. Every single day. He couldn't get in the game. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get in the game. Not even stand it's a futures market. But he couldn't get a game supposedly because he couldn't process stuff. In basketball, in the NBA, you've got to cite stuff and process stuff quickly and understand concepts. And, and, you know, some of these guys, if they can't do that because they're basketball IQers and such, I think it makes it tough. And I think, again, I, don't, I can't tell you for sure I'm maker in the hour, but those are my concerns. Matt, we're uh, we're capping off the draft here, but is there one guy that maybe you look at that's still on the board uh, that you're really excited about seeing at the next level? Well, I'm going to tell you another international guy who I think has a chance to be a very good player, and that's Ante Zizic. And it's funny, I played with his brother, and he's, he's 16 or 17 years younger than his brother who I played with in France. And his brother is a tough, hard-nosed guy. I've seen Ante play a little bit. He played in the Adriatic League last year in Zagreb, and that is a very tough league where you can't get away with anything. Guys are banging you, and he averaged 15-9 and as a 19-year-old. And just based on those numbers and the little bit that I've seen him and knowing his brother, if he's anything like his brother, as hard-nosed as that, with with the body he has, 7'2", 250, at 19 years old, and the numbers he put up, I think late first round, he's a guy that if I'm an NBA team, I'm taking a close look at because – that league is a tough league, and I have a feeling he's going to be a good player. Coach, we didn't talk about 
Deontay Davis. We didn't talk about Gary Payton II, Malik Beasley, Steven Zimmerman, Diamond Stone, Damian Jones. Is there is there one name that maybe that you think NBA teams should take a serious look at based upon what you saw this past year? Yeah, Deontay Davis is going to be very good. And it's going to take a while for him to get up to speed. He's not a great ball screen defender. In fact, in the Maryland game against Melo Tremble, Tom couldn't play him at the end of the game because he couldn't get back. But he can protect the rim. He can face up and shoot. He's got to get stronger. He's going to need to be in a player development place. He's going to need to be in a place where they have good senior or senior uh, veteran players that can kind of look after him a little bit um, and give him a chance to grow and mature and work with him and hold his hand. But his upside is for real. And that's the one thing. And, Matt, you probably understand this is much better than I do. When we get to this point of the draft, and I have a stat that I'm driving right now, it's crazy the number of first-round draft choices that played in the D-League. Who's the guy that's going to be able to handle going from playing at Florida, Matt, when you played winning national championships or Kentucky or on the biggest stage in college, going from being a first-round draft choice to drop to the D-League? Flying Southwest Airlines and playing in front of crickets and still work at his game, understand it's a process, have a good attitude, have to deal with the disappointment, and still continue to get better. To me, that's what these next 10 picks are about because a bunch of these guys could end up playing in the D League. Yeah, that's a great point. And I agree wholeheartedly that, you know, you, <laughs> we talked about this last week, Adam, that one of the hardest things I think for these GMs is taking a look at the actual kid and not just his resume on the basketball court and understanding the makeup, the mental makeup of these guys, because that is 80% of it, really, especially if you're, if you're not one of these guys who's just being, you know, drafted to, to be the guy right away. And 99% of guys aren't like that. So it's tough. I don't envy these, envy, envy these NBA GMs. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm just doing a mock dress with you guys. <laughs> uh, Coach, when NBA teams reached out to you or just had discussions with you when you were coaching at Virginia Tech or Long Beach State or, or where have you, or what now. is it? Or now, what is it that they want to know about these kids? I, I probably have talked to twenty or thirty teams already this year. They want to know about their DNA. They want to know about who they are. What's their character? What's their work ethic? How do they deal with adversity? What are, they getting, what are they like off the court? What are they like in the locker room? That's what they want to know. They're going to make their evaluations on, play, on, on a player's ability to play, his upside, a player's strengths, weaknesses. All right, they don't need me for that, but they do need you if you know the kids. And, you know, having recruited a lot of these guys unsuccessfully, or I wouldn't be talking to you, Stank. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and seeing these guys grow in, in different environments, that's what they want to know. I mean, and, you know, say the kid was suspended. Well, you know, what do you think? You know, why do you think he was suspended? What do you think that means? Or, you know, how did, how's the kid handle this? Has he grown from this experience? Uh, you saw what's his family background? Uh, who, is it, who, is, who is it? What's, what kind of static does he have in, in his life? Because everyone has static. Is he a positive static or negative static? And, you know, when things, you got to remember now, this is the first time in these guys' lives, their basketball life, that, all right, they're not being enabled. 
right? They've got to impress someone else. Someone else doesn't have to impress them. These are the, uh, they're going on basically on job interviews. It's not the other way around. No one's selling them the practice facility, the weather, the pretty girls, the, the crowds, the television contract. It's the other way around. <laughs> so, like, this is a shot of reality. Like, this is, this is the first time no means no in these guys' adult basketball life. Because basically, no man has meant yes to a lot of these guys during the course of their basketball careers. That's really fascinating. Matt, when we look back at this draft in 10 years, what are we going to be saying about it? Just from a pure fan perspective, I hope we're talking about Simmons and Ingram being, you know, incredible. And we're looking back saying this is one of the best drafts ever. From a Sixers fan, I hope we're not saying, man, I wish we would have taken Ingram and not Simmons. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> That's perfect. I, I, I really do. I think Ingram and Simmons have a chance to be two two great players. And I think 10 years from now, I think we're going to be talking about the first and second pick of this draft. And then I think we would, we could be talking about some of these guys midway through the draft towards the end of the first round that uh, either are, are European or a guy like Ulis who nobody really looked at as a top guy in the draft. And they ended up being a guy who sticks in the league for 10 or 12 years. Coach, what do you think? I think, you know, Matt, I'm, I think you're on the money. I think we're going to talk about those two guys and which one really blew up. And then I think we're going to talk about, I don't know who it's going to be, but there's going to be one of these ifs, one of these guys with athleticism and length and potential skill, one of these 18, 19-year-old young developing players, whether it's going to be, you know, Bender, whether it's going to be Chris, whether it's going to be Brown, whether it's going to be, any of these young developing players, one of them is going to be special. Maybe more, but one of them is going to, is going to blow up. And we're going to be talking about that team had a chance to draft that guy and passed on him. <laughs> you believe that? Yeah, I do believe it because it's an inexact science and there's so many things that go into it. But I think that's, that's going to be the conversation. Uh, well, guys, I really, uh, I really appreciate it. And, Coach, stay safe on the road there. I really appreciate you uh, calling in from the road, and uh, and and thank you uh, for for all your time. Oh, my pleasure, Ab. Thanks for having me. Matt, good catch up, man. Yeah, you too. Tell your brother I said hello. All right, you got it, Matt. So a lot of fun. You can catch Matt Walsh on Twitter at MattyVincent44. Catch Seth Greenberg on Twitter at SethOnHoops. You can catch me, Adam Stankle, on Twitter at NaysmithLives, as the coach alluded to a little bit earlier. Really appreciate you listening to the podcast. We'll catch you next time.